gold setting up for the next leg up. Silver, what a volatile week. The market's near all-time highs here in the U.S. The dollar, not so much. Mortgage rates are ticking back up. Politicians have decided they're back on vacation. Trump versus the post office. We'll talk the Michael Cohen book, some of the better quotes out of that thing. I am Gerardo Del Real, along with my co-host, Fight the Fed, Mr. Nick Hodge. This is episode 82 of Bizarro World. Nick, gets Bizarro World more and more Bizarro every week. Uh, I love it. I anticipate it at this point. Uh, I prepare for it and, um, you know, uh, keep it up. How are you doing? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Um, heck of a week. Let's get right into it. Let's um, let's talk gold. What a week, right? We we saw all-time highs, and then we saw it really break through, and then we saw it pull back over $108 or something like that. Um but it bounced beautifully. Look, it, it, it touched that 1874, 1878 level briefly and turned right back around. And as of right now, it closed at 1943. I anticipate a big week next week. There were a lot of people saying that gold had zero support, um, you know, all the way down to 1800. And I think, I think last week we talked about the fact that, you know, as, as you establish a higher gold price, you're also establishing support at higher levels. And I think the bounce off that 1870, 1880 level bodes really, really well for the following week coming up. And uh, yeah, I'm excited. It, it, it showed, I think, because a lot of the better names, the juniors did not sell off even when um, gold was taking a dive, right? No, I was keeping an eye on my buy under prices and some got very, very close, but uh, did not go under. And if uh, anybody's listening that follows my ratings, they'll see that I raised buy under prices on a on a couple of names this week for that very reason, because I was sort of waiting to see what happened in a pullback and and what the equities did. And like you said, showed relative strength. So I was impressed to see that. Um, impressed to see gold bounce off the levels, you say, in the, in the high 1800s and and really, really looking to see here if it can consolidate in, in record price territory, because that to me would would tell me that the um, the strength is for real, right? That this bull, this bull market is for real if it can maintain and consolidate in record price territory. So uh, watching that for sure, but um, excited about where we are, as I've been saying, you know, I, I might sound like a broken record, but a lot of the studies that we look at and that the projects that we follow have done analyses at or are at lower prices. And so to be uh, talking about consolidating above 1900, uh, that's a really good place to be. Absolutely. Absolutely. Same goes for silver. You know, silver flirted with $30. It pulled back. I think it it, it got down on, 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 on the crash um, in the high 24s. And here it is today closing right at that 2638 level. I thought the rebound was, again, just a perfect bounce. And I expect silver to have a big week next week. And, you know, like our, our, our mentor and friend told me recently here, he goes, who cares what it does in the next few days? This isn't the bull market that you get into for a month or two. This is a bull market that he believes will last for years. Um, another gentleman that's seen them all, Mr. Jim Dines, um, you know, he, he, he feels the same. And, and I have to agree with both of those gentlemen, which again, if you can't get excited about what we're witnessing in the junior space right now, 
it's because you have no idea what you're doing. You should be extremely excited and you should be doing due diligence and putting in the 12, 13, 14 hour days to make sure you're positioned properly because this is one of those markets, as we've been saying, that can really, really, really deliver um, transformational wealth. Um, so yeah, no, exciting stuff there in the precious metal space. Let's talk the 10-year. It, it got above the you know 0.7 level. Um, and, and, and again, speaking to the resilience of gold, despite that, you know, despite that we, we, we had gold turn around really, really well. Um, but yeah, the 10 year, we got mortgage rates that are ticking back up. You know, I, I had a friend that put an offer on a house and it was accepted and he was able to get himself a VA loan and he locked in a 2.75%, you know, and you look today a few days later and I think it hit 3.14% on the 30 year. So, um, definitely a tick up. Any thoughts there, Nick? Do you see that as a as a as an inflation indicator? We talked about lumber last week. We talked about you know the crab cakes and 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 how real inflation is already here. But do you think the ten year is foretelling something? Uh, you know, I'd like your thoughts on it as well. The dollar has you know ticked off lows that it put in in, in late July and and August, and people were saying uh, to some degree that and the the uptick in bond rates that you're talking about is why gold experienced the uh, sell-off that it did. Of course, um, inflation is going to be here when you have many more dollars in the system um, and a low growth environment, which means, you know, the same or less amount of goods being chased. And so prices are um, obviously rising. What's uh, different, and you already mentioned Mr. Dines, that's funny because I wanted to mention him as well, is when people start talking about this, um, rates rising bad for gold. Um, it's not necessarily the case, especially when gold's already at a record, because while gold doesn't yield anything, um, you know, uh, I own a bunch of shares uh, in, in a company called Barrick. You might have heard of it. And, um, <laughs> while, while the S&P across the board had 9% um, earnings contraction, earnings growth contraction for the second quarter, um, and other companies you may have heard of, like Disney, were busy uh, cutting their dividends for the current quarter, Barrick was increasing its dividend. So in that context, um, you're competing against uh, rising cash flows and gold companies raising rates. Uh, and those are big vehicles for people to put cash in as well. So I'm not sure what this uptick in rates portends, to be honest. Um, I'd actually like uh, some context from you if that's okay. But um, I hope that non-answer suffices. No, 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 no. It, it's fair, right? We don't script the podcast. We just kind of put some things on a sheet and then we just end up talking about whatever the hell we feel like talking about anyway. So um, I, it, it's funny, you know, speaking of which I was on Twitter the other day and and somebody commented, um, it'd be nice for the CEO. I think it was Jordan Trimble um, and and RS Digest to, to, to start doing non-scripted interviews. And, and and the funny thing is I responded, I, I said, you know, I've, I've probably done almost a thousand interviews. I've never scripted an interview, right? It's all bullet points and conversation. And, and, and so they replied, well, you know, we, we, we were listening and we appreciate it. And, you know, they, they actually complimented the, uh, the interview with Jordan and, you know, Jordan is articulate, intelligent, hardworking. And, you know, I could see why he may come across as scripted. It's because he knows his stuff. Anyhow, all that to say, Look, I, I, I talked last week about what I saw for the dollar and I, I, I wrote it in, in my last issue of Junior Mining Monthly. I think this weakness is temporary. I can see it lasting for another quarter, quarter and a half. But 
The market's discounting a lot, Nick. The market, here we are. The major U.S. indices are near record highs again, right? Um, Europe is eerily calm considering, you know, the the, the flare-ups in, in, in several parts of Europe right now, the COVID flare-ups, um, considering the lack of productivity, considering the, the, the state of the bigger banks uh, in the system, you know, the linchpins of, of the banking system in Europe. No, I don't think any of that is taken into account right now. I think that there was a stimulus package um, rolled out by the ECB that is that is working right now, working through the system. I think you have a central bank here in the U.S. that's obviously active in everything. And I think everybody just believes that we're going to get a magic vaccine and that, you know, we celebrated being under a million new unemployment claims this week. That was what people were happy about. That's, you know, some people pointed to that as the reason why gold sold off, that they believe the economy is getting better. And until we get past these COVID lockdowns and we get a, a, a coordinated approach to, to getting rid of this thing one way or the other, at the very least getting back to normal, I don't see how you can bet on stability. And, you know, all that to say, yeah, I think the tenure and the the dollar's lower, the tenure's higher. I think I think that relationship won't continue for more than a quarter or two. Um, and I think, you know, before it's all said and done, we're gonna be real close to negative territory in the tenure. Um and 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 I think, you know, you're gonna get a a a nasty dollar rally near the end of the year. And again, that that the premise of that opinion is that I think that Europe has some 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 systemic issues that are going to come to light. And like I've always said, I've said this for four plus years now, it's 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 going to blow up in Europe before it blows up here in the U.S. That's just that's just the way it goes. So I see euro weakness by the end of the year. I see dollar strength. I see gold continuing to run twenty three twenty four hundred before the year is over is not out of the question. Um, I think next week we're going to see a pretty solid rally. So there you go. There's a lot of opinions there and a lot of things where I may be wrong, but at least you could fact check them in. They're being timestamped, right? I like it. That's what we do. So that's where we're at. Let's talk copper. Copper closed uh, yeah, up two, three pennies. It, it, it flirted with $3 midweek and then it pulled back here, closed at 289 today. Again, um, I think the market just assumes that spending w- will continue, and we'll talk about that in a bit. Um, our, our, our politicians here in the U.S. are on vacation again because they can't agree on how much to spend. Not if, just the how much. Um, but yeah, the market is acting as if, you know, all is well. And I think copper was the one uh, commodity that, that, that kind of sensed, all right, the two major parties in the United States are not going to agree anytime soon and by that i mean days not weeks or months we know that eventually they'll agree on on who gets what and their piece of the pie and and that'll be that um but yeah two two eighty eight two eighty nine pretty solid if that's the new floor right i'm not worried about copper one bit uh the equities at least as i see it are pretty strong i, I like ivanhoe and, and that stuff's been doing uh really well and and you and i have talked a lot about um, how these aren't stimulus bills. You call them relief bills, right, Gerardo? And so mm-hmm. you're still going to see the stimulus, and, and that's going to be a big uh, infrastructure package in the coming years, no matter uh, who wins the election. And so um, not worried about copper in the long term at all, and really not even in the, in the short term either. Agreed, agreed. Um, can we talk about these just, you know, <laughs> which which should be criminal politicians. You know, I I I 
we've talked about the failure of all the major institutions, not just here in the U.S., but around the world, right? And some are better than others. Um, this class of politicians, for the most part, on both sides is just absolutely nasty. Um, they're back on vacation. They just got back a few weeks ago. And they can't agree on how much to spend and who's going to get what. So both sides are throwing a fit, throwing a fit. And Senator McConnell's decided to go away until somebody budges. Um, I'd love He's to hear your thoughts. <laughs> well done. <laughs> I'd love to hear your thoughts. We know they'll come together. We know they'll 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 figure out how much to spend. You know, the president is doing what he does. He's 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 rage tweeting away about, you know, how he's ready to send thirty five hundred dollars to every American family and how, you know, he's ready to provide relief to all of the states. And, you know, um, our politicians can't even agree on that anymore. And, and, and I'll tell you the one thing that gives me hope and then I'll get your take on it, Nick. The Schumers, the Pelosi's, the McConnell's, the Trump's, the Biden's. Um, this is their last go round. I mean, they probably got one term if that, right? And so that gives me hope. I hope, and I'm optimistic that we get a better class of Republicans and a better class of Democrats moving forward. And I hope the young people keep their feet, the fire to their feet, right? I, I, I hope that they don't let up, um, because God, <laughs> this has to be a bottom in the political class. Uh, well, it definitely is. It's the pinnacle of a, a turning, which we won't talk about because we do all the time. Uh, with respect to the to the politicians, I think it's funny. And I was writing this week how fiscal hawks are, um, you know, trying to uh, hawk about a trillion dollars. Right. I mean, that's uh, it's just sort of nonsensical. And I think for the third week in the row, I have to mention uh, Mr. Kafka. And so when you're like quibbling about a trillion dollars versus three trillion dollars, uh, I think the writing is on the wall for sort of uh, where we are in the economy and, and how much stimulation is needed. Um, and, and I guess I'll just go on a bit of a tangent because you mentioned a couple of things there. Um, you know, sometimes before I walk out of the house while I'm brewing the pot of coffee, I turn on Bloomberg to see what they're spinning up for the morning. And mm -hmm. <laughs> more than once in the past couple of weeks, I've just heard bankers or analysts or however you want to call them, whatever the guests are that they have on, um, talk openly about how the stimulus is necessary. Like, what do we need to maintain record highs? What do we need for equities <laughs> to keep going up? And the answer is always like fiscal intervention and stimulus. <laughs> and it's like, so it's like, it's open that none of it is about um, fundamentals, right? And so um, that that much is clear. And then you talk about the the stimulus side. Uh, as far as everyday Americans, uh, clearly the politicians don't work for them. Um, and I'm not sure Trump really wants to work for them either. But whatever his intentions are, I think he's coming at it uh, through the lens of re-election, right? Which is why he's uh, talking about stocks at all time highs and why he's manipulating jobs numbers. I'm sure you saw Pence this week try to frame coming off the bottom of the worst job loss ever as job creation, right? Talking about how this was like the best couple of month period of job creation. Or as um, he ever. likes to call it, converting the numbers. Yeah, it's crazy, right? <laughs> and so um, it was just a weird week in, in general. And I told you, I really only had one eye in the news, but um, we're not even sure if what Trump was doing over past over the weekend and into this week was 
um, you know, constitutional, constitutionally legal. Some of the stuff we're not <laughs> sure he can do by executive order. Right? Not, so, not just uh, one thing. We're going to talk about the post office and then and, and the mail-in ballots. We're not just talking, you know, is this maybe unconstitutional, this one thing. There's several things just this week that 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 you know merit further due diligence as far as constitutionality um sorry to cut it no that's it i wasn't really making a point and last thing is um and it, it sort of shows you how trivial they view it when you got like um ed markey and and ted cruz like twitter battling each other i don't know if you saw that um where he was ed markey was saying you know give every family so many dollars every month until the pandemic's over and ted cruz was like why not a million dollars ed and Ted was like, this isn't a joke, Ted. I mean, they're just like <laughs> tweeting at each other, right? Oh, God. Where to start? Where to start? Um, let, let, let's get to... I mean, those are senators, right? Those, those are, are U.S. Sen- senators. Again, this has to... I wish I could create an ETF that was three times levered to, you know, calling the bottom as, as uh, of this group of politicians as a political class because we as well as we're doing in the junior mining space nick oh god um that would be that would be the 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 trade of the decade right um yeah let, let, let's get to trump openly saying he wants to defund the post office in an effort to make mail-in ballots um not accessible to the american citizens so that we are not able to as effectively and efficiently exercise our right to vote. Again, if President Obama had done this during the Tea Party years, heads would have exploded. Rush Limbaugh and Alex Jones would have ate each other's ass. (laughs) And here we are, barely a peep. It's, you know, it's covered by a couple of the major... um, uh, media giants, but it hasn't really gained any traction that I can see um, with the American public. You know, we will, <laughs> there, there's been, I don't know how many shootings and, and, and all sorts of horrific idiotic stuff related to having to wear a mask and, you know, it's my constitutional right to be free. But yet when we get attacks on our democracy that are real, that are structural attacks, um, they're tearing mailboxes out and, and 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 ruining machines so that you know there's 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 not enough <laughs> infrastructure in place for the election that's coming up in the midst of a pandemic. The postal service has warned that 46 states that they're in 46 states their voters could be disenfranchised by delayed mail-in ballots. And again, barely a mention, barely a mention. And like everything else, this has become politicized. If you're for mail-in ballots, which, by the way, President Trump has requested for this election, because, you know, it's always what's good for them, not about what's good for you, right? Mm-hmm. But it, it, I, I just, it, 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 it bothers me to no end the petty, trivial stuff that we allow ourselves to be distracted by and that we, we, we allow ourselves to be divided by. Um, versus the things that I think really should get people's blood boiling. How do you feel about the president openly saying, you know, I want to, I want to withhold funding to the post office so that you know these mail-in ballot things don't get to people? Well, it's uh, like you say, it's a threat to democracy that's real and uh, far more real than 
uh, having to wear a mask over your face. And so, um, gosh, it's a lot to talk about here. Mm -hmm. But um, and I have an evolving relationship with the post office. But um, so let's break this thing (laughs) in two. Let's break it in two. One, you clearly have gerrymandering or trying to manipulate the election, which is a threat to democracy. And that is uh, bad. And that is uh, should be addressed and people should be in up, up in arms and uh, lawyers should be getting on the phone for uh, other parties, uh, et cetera. And the same with Kanye West, who you didn't mention, who is pretty much openly saying he's colluding. You mentioned it actually last week on the podcast, but now he's like confirmed uh, to reporters that. Um, uh, no collusion, you know, no collusion. <laughs> right. What he's doing is to detract votes from from the Democratic side, which is illegal. And so that stuff all has to be addressed. The Whether or not the post office has uh, merit as a government entity, I think, is a is a, a different discussion. Absolutely. One that I've one that I've evolved on and one that we can have, you know, when I was younger and and, and and took libertarian more to the extreme, you know, it was sort of like if the post office, they lose money. But when you view it in the context of like, well, the military doesn't make money and the Department of Education doesn't make money and like the forestry department doesn't make money because it's a public service, right? Like the park service doesn't Correct. make money. Um, just like the, the post service is a, is a, is a public utility and, and, and a good one. Um, and so... Um, it has problems with having to prefund its pensions, which is why people say it, it operates at a loss, et cetera. And those are those are easily fixed. But um, well, only the if there's common law, sense, Nick, it's only easy right, to fix if we isn't. exercise right. some common sense. Right. We can all agree that it is an incredibly inefficient institution. Right. Um, but like you say, it can be easily fixed. I just don't think. <laughs> that this is the t- during a pandemic in an election year for the presidency Absolutely. of the country is not the time to start tinkering with it. When you need it to execute the the election, uh, absolutely not. Yeah, for sure. And I didn't mean to cut in. You 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 had a point. I just again, I just I I can't believe that people think this is the time where we should be yanking out you know mailboxes physically <laughs> and 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 mail sorting machines and and and. This is now a Absolutely. political issue. I, uh, it, it's just crazy to me. It's it's obscene to me. Yeah, I mean, we know uh, how the the vote is going to have to go down, um, and so it's clearly with ill intent what's going on with the post office. Um, and if we haven't said it yet, uh, we should say it now. We're saying it again if we've already said it. This election is going to be, I think. Longer than November, this is going to be like a hanging Chad type deal, right? Where there's going to be lawsuits in multiple states, I would say. Um, uh, we might not know who wins the election for a couple of weeks or who controls the Senate, et cetera. And so I would prepare for some contention for sure. Agreed. Were you inspired by um, Joe Biden's uh, tapping on the shoulder of Kamala Harris? <laughs> I've seen some funny memes about... <laughs> The Why year? Joe Biden picked Kamala. <laughs> One was she must have smelled the best. <laughs> have you seen the one where it's like a minute of, you know, her tearing into him about, you know, his 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 questionable track record um, with, you know, crime bills, being the author of crime bills that disproportionately affect communities of color and her trashing him 
on, you know, some statements he made about, you know, certain senators having affiliations with uh, the KKK and how, you know, it was important to work with these groups. And, you know, and then at the very end of it, um, they, they, they cut to Joe Biden and he says, you're not black. <laughs> have you seen that one? <laughs> I have seen it. Absolute Twitter gold, right? It's, 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 um, as you know, I don't do social media outside of the business one. Um, and, and yeah, that, that, that one made me glad I had it. So speaking seriously, you know, again, I think this is a bottom in, in, in our political class, but, uh, what do you think about the ticket? Um, I want to go back two questions ago about the political low in the candidates that we have that are quote unquote leading <laughs> us. One thing I've been thinking about is if Biden wins, um, you know, he's going to run for reelection in 2024. And then what you got to choose from from Biden again. And so I'm really interested to see how that plays out, because I really would like a fresh sweep in, in 2024 with a brand new class of candidates and not have to deal with another um, Biden run. Uh, I mean, he picked the cop. I, I don't know if he can read the room or what, but um, worse than a cop, he picked he picked a a, a very aggressive, you know, uh, district attorney. If we want to make that analogy, right? Right, exactly. And so, I mean, she was leading the the betting polls. She was the front runner to be the VP pick. He had said he was going to pick a woman of color, and so. Um, you know, uh, he didn't have that many women to choose from, uh, and that's a whole other debate uh, or, or conversation about women of color and leading leading the country. But um, anyway, um, I don't like Kamala, man. I didn't like her when uh, she was running for the the nomination. I I didn't like her track record on the criminal justice stuff. Um, I think she's uh, old hat. Uh, I think it's time for new blood. I, I'm not sure he did himself any favors. Uh, I'll say that. And um, I think that November is going to be very interesting because the polls are sitting right now where the polls were sitting uh, in 2016 in favor of Hillary. And we uh, obviously know how that turned out a couple of months later. And so um he slipped in the in the election betting over the past week, and um, I'm not sure, man. I'm not sure. I think that um, not being able to be on the campaign trail hasn't done him any favors. I think that you know Trump has a pretty loud, holy pulpit, and um, I don't know. Have I answered your question? I didn't think it was a good pick. If that's what you're asking, yeah, you know, I, I I agree. I think. Look, I I think what he picked was exactly what we have on the other side, right? I I I sat here last week and I said, look, the one thing I can count on, whether Biden wins or President Trump wins, is a favorable corporate envi- corporate environment for myself, right? I'm an employer. Um, I'm an employee of myself, as 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 are you. Um, we we work for ourselves, and and you know we have different businesses and corporations that 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 employ us. And so um, I said last week, the one thing I can count on is I know that I'm going to get treated well because big business and 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 business in this country, if 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 you're a corporation, will always get the biggest breaks. We'll always get preferential treatment, right? Because of the lobbyists involved. And sure enough, you know, what was, what was the, 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 the carrot this week from president Trump, you know, maybe I'll defer the collection of payroll taxes. 
um, for individuals making up to 104,000. Obviously, we make more than that, but you know, on the employer side of it, um, if if some of that is deferred, then that's capital that we could use for other things in the meantime. And so, again, I think I think Biden's pick of Kamala Harris is is a it, it it's just a status quo safe pick that will allow him to raise money from the people on the left um, that want to check the boxes. And, and, and we should have a conversation about how the box should always be, should always be merit based, whether it's man, woman, 36 year old or 76 year old person of color or not. It's it should be the best ideas and the people in the best shape to lead the country. Um, and I don't think on either side, on e- for either party, the Trumps and the Pences and the Harrises and the Bidens are the best of the best, the creme de la creme that we have, even in this political class. Right. Prison stocks went up today. Exactly. And that and that's my point. Right. And I think people have to be careful. Um you know, the woke, the, 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 the woke people that like to be woke for woke sake and really don't know what the hell they're doing. Um, we should be very careful about what we wish for and, 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 and not ever make it to where we get into this false reality that just being able to check the box, you know, we joke all the time when we're amongst newsletter writers and, and ourselves that I'm the token Mexican, right. That I, I fulfill the diversity, the diversity box that you can check, right. Because there's not, there's not a lot of people of color or people of my ancestry, my ethnicity, um, in our space. We need younger people. We need people from all different backgrounds. But again, we, we, we shouldn't just be applauding a vice presidential nomination, um, because she's a woman or because she's a black woman. Um, we should be looking at the track record and we should be looking at the policy and we should be looking at, at, at what it looks like moving forward. And again, I just, it's hard for me to take, her as serious as 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 I'd like to because of her record and because she hasn't addressed it. None of us are perfect. All of us could look back at, at, at things and say, man, would have done that one different. Uh, man, have I grown? Man, I was an idiot then. Um, it, it worries me that she hasn't addressed, even during the debates, she didn't ever apologize for being as aggressive a prosecutor in communities of color specifically. Um, as she was, she sidestepped it. She's never addressed, you know, some of the inconsistencies when it comes, um, to the legalization of marijuana and how that contrasts with her record as a prosecutor, some truly, truly, um, you know, abuses of power in, 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 in my mind, anyhow, uh, with the amount of jail time that some of these people got for things as simple as, possession of marijuana. And I'm not talking about the kingpin stuff. I'm talking about an ounce here, uh, an eighth there. She's never reconciled that. And and I do have an issue with people that can't look back and say, yeah, that was a mistake. Definitely not the time that we live in and definitely moving forward. This is what I plan um, on campaigning on until I hear that, you know, it's, it's, it is what it is. You know, we'll all vote the way that we vote. Um, but yeah. Yeah, and I don't I don't think he did himself a lot of favors with um independence and libertarian minded folks and people that are supportive of uh the protests, uh, which are largely on the democratic side, right? And so um yeah, the pick didn't make a lot of sense to me and it didn't make me like Joe Biden anymore than I already don't like him. So yeah, interesting pick.
All right. Well, let's bring it back to the Trumpster. Um, did, you re- did you read some of the snippets from the Michael Cohen book? <laughs> I haven't, but you were giggling, so I want to hear it. <laughs> All right. So the book is out, and I, I, I had a, I had a just peek really quick at some of the, some of the juicier stuff. Here are two that just stood out. So when we complain about Kamala and Joe, um, this was a Michael Cohen again. You know. Trump's fixer for a very long time. This is what he had to say. He said, I bore witness to the real man in strip clubs, shady business meetings, and in the unguarded moments when he revealed who he really was. A cheat, a liar, a fraud, a bully, a racist, a predator, a con man. He also confirms, according to Michael Cohen, I'm not saying this happens, but this is what Michael Cohen says. He says he was there. He confirmed that Donald Trump partook in golden showers in a sex club in Vegas, committed tax fraud, and signed deals with corrupt Soviet officials. The last one, I don't put a lot of weight on because, you know, I think all the politicians, for the most part, are corrupt one way or the other. But, you know, the more salacious stuff... um, Oh, man. Uh, again, right? We talk about some of the shortcomings, no pun intended, of, of Kamala and Joe Biden. But this is uh, the timing for this couldn't have been the best. And I've noticed I've noticed that, you know, the Trumpster has been a little quiet. He hasn't gone on his uh, uh, on a Twitter rage, a tweet storm um, to counter a lot of this. So I know the lawyers were really trying to get this book to not be published. That didn't work. So it's interesting to me, given where we are in the election cycle. Are golden showers uh, better than <laughs> pussy grabbing in the conservative framework? There's a golden bull market joke in there somewhere. <laughs> I'm not sure what else you could put out there about the guy, right? He's sort of bulletproof in that respect, right? He could kill somebody in the in the middle of Times Square and people would still vote for him. And so grabbing pussies, golden showers. I'm doesn't not want sure us to it's... vote. Doesn't want to show us his tax records. Doesn't want to hit back at Russia for putting hits on her soldiers, which I am still upset about. I still have not seen a, 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 a public um, policy, um, call it what you want, decision on how we're going to retaliate because man, for all the waste, and inefficiency in the military industrial complex. Um, This is where me as an American, I would like to see a stern response to soldiers, American soldiers being targeted, um, you know, by, by, by groups overseas. And we haven't had that yet. So Again, the things that we get distracted and divided by when we are looking at each other as Republicans and Democrats and white and black and rich and poor and all the other dumb shit that that divides people. Um, for all of that pettiness, man, the stuff that we just kind of let go and forget about, right? Yeah. Um, the, the <laughs> yeah. the other way on the soldiers was a, a terrible one and disappeared from the news. You know how fast the, the news cycle moves these days anyway. And so I was thinking while you were talking about uh, why people do vote for Trump, given uh, I was trying to think about the positive things he's done that we've talked about, the handling of China, a little bit of the criminal justice stuff. Um, uh, but, you know, that. I guess I don't know really what I want to say, except that I saw that tweet this week about the 
uh, basically, I'll keep the pores out of your neighborhood. And I think that's ultimately like kind of what it boils down to, right? That dog whistle type stuff. Absolutely. He, he said the suburban wives, if you want to be safe, you got to vote for old boy Donald Trump. Because, you know, you don't, you don't, you don't want any, any low-income people coming around the wife, right? Um, yeah. You know what that is. And, you know, come on. It's a... Uh, it's, uh, it is what it is. It is what it is. Go vote November, however you feel, whether you support him or not, whether you're going to vote for him or not. Everybody in this country has the right to do it. I hope everybody gets to exercise that right in a safe way. And uh, let's see let's see where the cookie crumbles. But I agree. I think the volatility is going to be unprecedented. And um, yeah, you know, it's, 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 uh, it's, it's, it's pretty interesting. Um, let's talk COVID-19 a bit, Nick. You and I both have, um, you will for the first time, um, have a child that will be, uh, back in school. And I have two that are still in school. And so, you know, for, for ours, the first month, at the very least, the first month, we're going to go ahead and, and, and take the school up on the online learning option. And so I appreciate the, the benefits of the social interaction. I just, there's, I just don't trust the adults anywhere near enough. And it didn't help that, you know, we found out, my wife and I's parents, that Texas isn't tracking COVID-19 cases at school. So school starting up, we're tracking COVID-19 cases here in Texas in prisons, nursing homes, childcare centers, bars, strip clubs, you name it, right? We got good numbers and a good handle. But yet the Department of State Health Services is still, with school a week or two away, considering whether to track the information. Why would I, as a parent, <laughs> trust the same agency that doesn't even know if it wants to tell me how it's going? Um, and, it's, and, and we have an interesting dichotomy here in, in Texas, Nick, I'll tell you. Austin, Texas, and the surrounding counties, Williamson County, um, has a positivity rate, which should be called the infection rate. Let's call it that. An infection rate that was, you know, above 20%, uh, little, little close to a month or so ago. And we've gotten that down to, to below 5%. It's been below 5% for the last two or three days. Um, I, I joked with my wife that I was going to start hugging waitresses and we could go out and have an outdoor drink somewhere. And she said, you're not hugging anybody. But anyway, that's a whole different story. <laughs> um, but yeah, so, you know, what I saw in Austin a couple of weeks ago is people really took wearing a mask seriously. And, 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 and you know, the minute that we stopped doing that a month and a half ago is when everything kind of really got out of hand, right? And so we've been able to, to, to get that number down to a very, very, very encouraging number. Um, that's Austin and the surrounding counties. The rest of Texas is, is, is almost at 30%, the last that I checked a few days ago. Um, again, and, 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 and it just speaks to who's doing the very basic put a mask on and don't, gather in super large crowds versus the people that are like, it's going to happen. It's going to be what it is. I'm not wearing a mask and we're going to do this the way that we want to do this. Cause don't throw it on me. Right. So it's interesting. I, I thought I'd mention that back to my original question. Um, how are you feeling about your school district's approach to your little one going to school for the first year? And, you know, I have a niece and same, same deal, right? Like she's faced with the decision and I, I, I'll be having that talk with my sister here this weekend, but um, interesting times for sure. How are you approaching it, Nick? 
it's changing all the time. We've already had a couple of different plans emailed to us from the school over the course of the summer. Um, and of course, as infections went back up, the plans, you know, changed a little bit. And so last word was uh, two days ago, uh, they got word from the state. They, our school submitted their plan uh, to the state for approval and um, only preschool through second grade was approved for in-person instruction, you know, going back to school. So preschool, kindergarten, first and second grade. Uh, third through eighth grade is not going to go back to in-person learning at the beginning of the year. It's entirely a distance learning model. Um, and then, you know, they gave all the reasons. It was quite a long email, a couple of hundred words, actually, about um, why the, the Spokane Health District ruled that way, um, saying that the overall level of infections in the area is still high enough that they're not comfortable with sending all the kids back to school. Um, they said that the kids under nine account for uh, a much less uh, fewer percentage of, of those infected. And so that's why they're more comfortable with those under second grade going back in. Um, and our school in particular has already had those age kids in school throughout the entire summer and has been practicing um, the social distancing guidelines and the guidelines that they'll be operating under in the fall. And so they've had a couple months of operating under these protocols under their belt already. Um, and so I think that sort of clears it up what the plan is. They're going to try to phase back in the, the third graders through the eighth graders based on ongoing infection rates, um, et cetera. And I, I, we're going to send our, she's in preschool, right? So uh, she's going to go to preschool. She's going to start preschool on September 1st under the uh, the distancing model. And I'm not sure if we talked about what that entails uh, or not, but basically they use all the exits in the school. Uh, preschool uses one exit, kindergarten uses one exit, first graders use another exit. Everybody gets their temperature checked. Everybody, anybody over uh, the threshold is asked, you know, not to come in that day and stay home for two days. Um, and there's other protocols for if somebody gets it uh, in a classroom, they stay in their classroom their entire day. So if someone does get it, um, it's quarantined to that classroom, uh, et cetera. And so um, getting back to it and dealing with uh, infections as they arise is the approach. Interesting. Interesting. Let's, uh, yeah, let's, let's, let's cross our fingers and hope that, um, that things go well. It will be interesting to me to see what happens, you know, if and when. There's a case or two cases. You know, we talked about this last week a bit. You know, does everything yep. get shut down? Um, there was a high school in Georgia, I believe, that, you know, there was a picture that that, that was all over the the the, the internets um, of a bunch of kids crowded. Yeah, and then, you know, you have 90 people that came down with, uh, that, 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 that tested positive, you know, and a third of them came down with symptoms, I believe. And so, you know, they went right back to online learning. And so... I just, if the approach is the, the first time there's a case, like we're shutting it, shutting it down, I don't know how sustainable that is. No, that's exactly my concern. And that's what I was talking about last week. So um, it's going to be interesting to see, but uh, that's the process that's going to have to play out, I think. Right. And, and yeah, I'm interested to see how it does play out. Agreed. Did you see the rope, the bodyguard robot, the robot bodyguard thing? I didn't, but I've seen a couple of other robot things this week as far as companion robots and all kinds of other robots. So it's a, it's a set of the robots, I guess. This one's a little different than the companion robot, though it, it, it is a companion. Um, 
a gentleman in Dubai was walking around with his robot bodyguard. Um, you know, they, they got it on Twitter. This thing, um, <laughs> it speaks six languages, Nick. It can carry him away from mobs. It can fight. It can chase you. And it can shoot you with real bullets. And it's also armed with an electric taser. Looks to be about seven or eight feet tall. It, 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 it's pretty damn scary looking. I mean, I'll put a link up. It's just, you should check it out. Anyway, I just wanted to mention it. Uh, for those of you that haven't seen this thing, we'll put a link up. Um, the future is going to be interesting. I know Elon Musk, love him or hate him, has his hand in a lot of, you know, the cutting edge AI um, companies that are developing. He's He's long said that, you know, his biggest fear is a, a, a mishap in the AI development space. It's um, pretty creepy stuff, man. Pretty creepy stuff. I'll put the link up. I'll put the link up. We'll leave that there. How, how does it know who the bad person is? And when there's a threat, I have questions. I'll have to click the link. You got me interested. We'll put the link up and hopefully it'll be able to answer some of those questions. A question that will be answered here in Austin, Texas. I like to personalize, you know, some of the bigger trending topics that are going on because I think it helps provide perspective. But here, you know, we've talked about defund the police and, you know, how that's really a a a, a misquoted um, phrase. I think it should be, you know refund the police and 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 retrain and 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 pay them better but let's also make sure that the caliber of officers on the street um is held to a higher standard and we've talked about all of that in the past so i won't i won't recite that but here in austin um the city council is is on it and they're not tiptoeing into it they have just um cut 150 million dollars from the austin police department's budget that's 34 percent 34 percent of the department's $434 million total budget. Um, now, while that is, it, it is a cut, um, a fifth of that the, the extra money or 21 million of it will go towards things like violence prevention and permanent housing services. And look, we've had the conversation. There's a lot of situations and instances where we shouldn't have officers responding to certain things, right? Um, but we're going to find out in real time here in Austin, what effect that has. And so I'll put the link up to the article here locally, and it's something that I'll be watching. I want to see if the city is able to be effective and efficient, and I want to see the police department's reaction. Um, chief Manley here in Austin has said that, you know, despite the cuts, there wouldn't be a change in patrol levels, which to me begs the question, well, if we were able to have, you know, the same amount of patrol levels, why'd you need the money? <laughs> why'd you need the money? <laughs> um, but again, I, 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 I like the police chief um, and uh, it'll be interesting. It'll be interesting to see what effect that has on things. I'll put the link up to that. It breaks down what is being cut, you know, stuff like 911 call center, forensic sciences, port services, victim services, a lot of things that you would not want cut um, ended up on that list. And so again, you know, speaking to being careful what you wish for, 
Um, let's see how that money is reallocated and, and how effective that reallocation is, right? Well, why do they have to go for those cuts? Was there's, there's no other way to, to, to parse out the budget, to divvy it up um, without cutting the services that people didn't want cut? Or are they doing this sort of, uh, uh, here, you wanted to defund the police, take this and see what happens. Like, what's the context there? The context is the mayor and the city council believe that, yes, the police department could be a whole heck of a lot more efficient and the council and this is where the you know the whole i'm from the government and i'm here to help you thing kicks in that that i'm always naturally suspicious about um or of um the city council believes that they can do a, a more effective job getting better results in some of those areas where you know traditionally the police are responding and and maybe it shouldn't be the police you know should the police be spending you know, valuable man and woman hours out there, you know, addressing the homeless issue when, you know, that really is most of the times a homeless slash mental health issue. Shouldn't we have mental health professionals um, that are trained and, you know, armed and everything else um, taking care of that part of it? So, you know, our officers could be out there getting the rapist and, you know, the, 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 the sexual assaulters and these fucking people that should all, you know, be getting the bulk of the attention, right, from officers. Yep. So that's see how it works out. Yeah, me, me, me as well. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll keep you posted on that. Okay. All right, Nick. We're at a man. We're at almost an hour already. Holy smokes! Um, what goes else? Fast. Yeah, it goes quick. What does a debt jubilee look like? Oh, I didn't know we really were going to talk about it. I don't know. It's sort of an esoteric question. You're an esoteric guy, Nick. I mean, what does a debt jubilee look like? I'm just seeing more and more mentions of debt jubilee. I probably mentioned it on this podcast before. It's happened a couple of times throughout history. Uh, Porter Stansberry has written about it now increasingly saying that, you know, a debt jubilee is on the way. I'm just interested in what it looks like. We've seen uh, massive write downs in, in public companies so far, and it doesn't seem to matter. I mean, Disney had like a $5 billion write down in its last quarterly earnings report. Um, what does a debt jubilee look like insofar as, um, you know, the public's acceptance, which is growing. And that's, that was the impetus for putting this on the, on the list this week that, um, and I'm just desperately looking for the headline here, but it was something like four and five Americans, um, uh, now here it comes four and five voters support deferral of student loans. So, um, you know, 80% of voters support deferring student loans amid the pandemic. And then if you read the whole article, it goes into how um, a majority, not 80%, but over 50% support, you know, entirely forgiving loans. And um, I, I don't know, what does a debt jubilee look like is a question. Maybe it's a question to leave you with to, to think about over the week, but um, it speaks to uh, where we are and sort of where we are with the rates and sort of helps put into context, um, you know, why rates can't rise because these debts are so big that they can't be serviced, um, how it's weighing down governments, in this case with the student loans, how it's weighing down the next generation of spenders that um, the economy needs um, and how that's going to provide the volatility and the fuel um, for sustained higher gold prices, really. And so... Um, just something I wanted to to put in everyone's ear. Can we call it an orgy of debt or a debt we, orgy? Or do we have to call it a debt jubilee? We can call it a golden shower of write-downs. 
a golden shower of debt. Yep. <laughs> Here's some breaking news. Uh, just publicly disclosed, or if it had been disclosed, I had not noticed. But Mr. Buffett, a longtime critic of gold and silver, despite his attempts in the late 80s to corner the silver market, Google it, it happened, it's a real thing, um, has now reduced his investments in, in some of the largest U.S. banks. And guess what he added to the portfolio, Mr. Hodge? Um, I don't know. Gold? You, you, you beat him to the punch. He added 20.9 million shares of Barrick Gold. There you go. It's good to be ahead of the herd, huh, Nick? It's good to be. Um, and I'll toot my horn once more. Um, I was... I've been actually ahead of Warren Buffett twice. Not that that means anything in the context of our net worth, but uh, back in the day in 2008 um, on electric cars and then um, a couple of months ago on utilities when I uh, was writing for people to buy utilities and then he came and and did that big purchase um, in a utility company, uh, uh, Dominion, right? And so... Um, yeah, it's good to be ahead of the herd. Gosh, God, my marketing brain is already working. Um, I'm ready to go. Yeah. <laughs> I knew it would. That's why I'm going to leave you with that. I'll say this. If I am correct about the gold bounce, and that was the pullback, and we see new highs next week, which I believe we have a damn good shot at at, at getting is new all-time highs next week. Um, Warren Buffett adding Barrett is going to attract a lot of generalist money in the space. And again, anybody that thinks, because a lot of the positions that, 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 that we're in are up, you know, three digits, some four digits already. Anybody that thinks that you missed the run, this is early, early, early in the game. Second inning, maybe the bottom of the second, probably not, probably the top of the second inning. Um, there's a lot of game left. There's a lot of opportunities to make a lot of money in this space. I think, I think that'll be the case for years, but this news, um, coupled with a a gold rally on Monday, I think would make for a heck of an interesting week. Um, exciting stuff. Exciting stuff. I'm ready to go read about it. Any companies we should be looking at, um, this coming week, Nick? Oh, this coming week. Goodness, Gerardo. I'm trying to think. Uh, what did I what did I buy? What have I bought recently? I mean, you've been writing about Ethos. I wrote a check into Ethos. I'm mm-hmm. not sure they're going to be exploring in the next week. Um, uh, but that's a name to, to take a look at for sure. Um, a, a few of the bigger companies have, have pulled back uh, a little bit, uh, given the, the, the gold pullback we had uh uh, this week it's for not, two days in <laughs> the two day pullback. <laughs> well, it did. If you look at the GDX, for example, I mean, it's a buying opportunity. And so, um, I won't wade into tiny companies, but look at some of the bigger ones. If you're listening to this and you, you missed it all outright, or you haven't had a chance to get into some of the producers there, um, well, they pulled back this week. And so I would say, take a look there. You know, I'm wired for high risk and high reward. So I'll give you two names that, that have pulled back that I think, you know, they're smaller companies, they're juniors, but they have robust assets, healthy balance sheets, great management and, and trading as if, uh, you know, trading as if gold was at 1600. Um, one is Mawson Resources. Uh, we talked about Mawson before. 
It's got a 52-week high of 57 cents. Moss and gold, Gerardo. Moss and gold. I stand corrected. You are correct, sir. Name change. A timely one by Mr. Hudson, the CEO, or the chairman, I should say. Um, But yeah, that's pulled back to the 45-cent level. So Moss and gold, ticker symbol M-A-W on the Toronto Exchange is one to look at. They have a resource update that I believe will be delivered by month end. They are exploring some of the hottest land in the world in Australia, high-grade gold, Fosterville-like. Um, a lot of catalyst, uh, drilling, exploration, all sorts of good stuff going on there. And the second one, and I have to mention it because um, I put I put it into the trader service, uh, I believe, earlier this week or last week. It's been a busy week. Um, and I've added personally here recently, Revival Gold. Revival Gold just closed a financing um, that puts it in very, very, very good shape. I believe it was, what, $15 million, Nick? Fifteen million uh, oversubscribed, yeah. O- oversubscribed, fifty-two week high of a dollar forty-six Canadian trading at a dollar three. I'll speculate that you know some of the institutions that were allowed in, um, you know, sold the shares and said, "Ah, oh, we'll just keep the half warrant." I'll also speculate that it's not going to last at these levels very long. Um, amongst the cheapest on a ounce in the ground relative to market cap valuation basis. Um, Three million ounces. It's $11 and that's, sorry, Gerard, I'm going to take over. It's $11 and it's no value for the infrastructure basically, which is a lot considering it was a past producing asset, right? Yep. Two rigs turning, uh, PEA by the end of the year. Um, You mentioned the infrastructure. It's not even getting credit for the gold, let alone the infrastructure, right? So I think that's a heck of a speculation um for people to look into so there you go guys free podcast you get some free advice you get your money's worth but those are two names that i think will both end the year substantially higher at at, you know two three times the level that they're at right now i like it all right that's all i got nick it's been great as always i am gerardo del real been awesome it's been fun it's been bizarre this was a episode 82 of bizarro world mr hodge thank you as always you want to say goodbye See ya.